0: Hi, my name is Eric Bowman. I'm the communications person at the CPA, and I'm excited about a few things. One, the webinar we have coming up December 10th, featuring five of the six guests from this initial podcast season talking about COVID and the Canadian winter. And two, this podcast now has an actual name and actual theme music composed by David Taylor in Toronto. Welcome to Mindful. mindful we have been moving across the country, beginning in Newfoundland as we talk about COVID in the Canadian winter. We've already seen many of the mental health effects that have arisen as a result of the pandemic, and we want to do everything we can to be prepared for those issues to intensify and worsen over the cold Canadian winter. With that in mind, we encourage everyone who is struggling to reach out for help. That help looks a little different than it once did as more psychologists are seeing people virtually than ever before. Today we're going to talk about that kind of teletherapy. How effective is it? How does it differ from seeing someone face-to-face? To To do so, we traveled uh, virtually, of course, all the way to the University of Regina to speak with today's guest.
1: Um, Thanks, Eric. I'm Heather Hedges-Dabrumpus, and I'm a professor of psychology at the University of Regina. And I also am executive director of the online therapy unit, also at the University of Regina.
0: Okay, so let's begin with just understanding what CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy actually is? What does it mean?
1: Yeah, well, that's actually, it's a good question. And I think something people often uh, ask me, Um, I think we could probably do a whole podcast just on that. Probably. Um, Yeah. (laughs) In brief, um, CBT is a very practical, short-term form of therapy. And it really focuses on helping clients develop skills or use skills that they already have but actually bring them into play with the basic idea of trying to use those skills to improve well-being. And in general, like there's lots of skills that are taught in CBT, but two of the main skills focus on identifying and challenging and coming up with kind of new ways of thinking. And the idea there is that basically our minds are our strongest muscles, as somebody has once said, um, but also can be our worst enemies. And so kind of looking for ways that our thinking might be, you know, getting us or contributing to difficulties and how maybe shifting that perspective could make a difference. So that's often one component of CBT. And the second component is really helping people identify and explore um, new behaviors so sort of identifying whether there's some unhelpful behaviors that might be playing a role in the current problems and whether a sort of new approach or new behaviors could be helpful for improving well-being.
0: Okay can can you give me an example of how one might uh, change one's thinking through CBT uh, in order to overcome a problem?
1: Yeah so it's actually, it can be a little bit tricky because thoughts are like habits. Uh, sometimes we sort of get in this sort of habitual way of thinking. And what you're doing with therapy is trying to really get in tune with and get aware of what those thoughts are and how those might be related to your current situation and how maybe that shift in thought could help with, you know, improving mood or improving anxiety. So, an example of very common thought, uh, and this is, you know, very simplified, but would be the type of thought, like, I'm a failure, you know, so that your thought patterns sort of boil down to having a lot of feelings or thoughts about being a failure. And the therapy is about, you know, helping you become aware of those by monitoring your thoughts, and then also by kind of going through a process of questioning to kind of come up with an alternative thought, and then practicing that alternative thought. We're trying to put it into play and seeing if that makes a difference. Another common thought that people sometimes work on is, you know, uh, thoughts around a situation being hopeless or that they can't cope and sort of looking for, you know, what's the evidence for that? What's the evidence against that? Is there an alternative way to, to approach that situation?
0: So if I, I'm plagued by feelings of being a failure, uh, then I might go through and list a number of things where I didn't fail or where I did, and then come up with a balance sheet at the end.
1: Yeah, that that would actually that would that would work.
0: You, you said at the beginning that uh, it's a sort of short-term therapy, uh, so this isn't something that necessarily goes on for years and years. Uh, it's something that somebody might reach out for uh, assistance with overcoming an immediate problem. Uh, is that accurate?
1: I guess in the you know, for a lot of clients, the amount of time that you spend on C B T might not feel short term to them, but in the history of psychotherapy, C B T is considered a shorter term therapy compared to say a, a longer therapy, which maybe like be you know, one or two years long. So by short term, you know, usually clients are working on this type of therapy for a couple of months, sometimes, you know, sixteen weeks could you know could be as long as 16 weeks so that might not feel sh- very short-term client uh, but in the scheme of psychotherapy it, it is short term
0: right and does that shortness like 16 weeks or so does that lend itself more to our current situation where people are stuck inside where this sort of therapy has to be delivered virtually via the internet is that easier with a more concise program
1: yeah it's- it is the case that CBT does lend itself really well to being put on the internet and delivered that way because it is short term and also because um, it's very practical and skills based. So, lots of the information that you would that you would share in face to face treatment is psychoeducational. So, you're you're giving information and then you're exploring it with a client, and you actually at the end of each session you would typically give kind of homework. Um, or assignments or activities that would help people support support them in their learning, and so that actually lends itself very well to to an online delivery. And typically, in the in when it's delivered online, I would say most often between eight and twelve sessions that are delivered. And when you go face to face, sometimes it would get um, a bit longer. Although um, many times clients, you know, come only for eight sessions as well so there's there's quite a bit of variability in um, how CBT is delivered both online and in face-to-face.
0: I also imagine that there's just something about the convenience of being able to do it from home rather than having to make an appointment and go in for that particular time find the time to leave work early or something like that. It might make it a little more comfortable.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of benefits that clients describe to getting this treatment online. So convenience is definitely one of them. So having time, but also that you can go online at any time of the day. You don't have to go. You know, most therapy is delivered during business hours. So this allows for, you know, 24-hour access. It's good regardless of what location you're in, so you wouldn't have to drive long distances to, to go for the therapy. Even for clients, though, who are in a position that they could make the time and they could go face-to-face, sometimes people prefer this just because it's, it's um, kind of a more private way to get care. It's much more independent than going to somebody in person. It's not for everybody, but it's definitely the case that some people do prefer it.
0: Hmm, And there, are, there must still be people who prefer the in-person uh, aspect of it. How is that different than what you might get virtually?
1: There's quite a few differences. So basically what we're trying to do in Internet Delivered CPT is we're taking the content of what's shared and putting it online. And that typically is in the form of um, like breaking down that information into lessons. So you would have like one lesson a week, say for eight or 12 weeks. And that material is typically presented in the form of text. So there's reading, but also images that go along to support that material. Sometimes programs will include some videos or audio. So it's different in the sense that that there's a lot of attention that's gone into the materials in most of these programs to make them really easy to understand and to be digestible. And also, if there's something that you didn't understand, you could go back and review it. Uh, whereas in face-to-face treatments, that's typically done sort of one-on-one verbally. And then clients might be doing some readings that they would do in between sessions. Uh, the other thing that happens in internet-delivered CBT is that there's homework that's suggested at the end of the treatment materials. And that happens also in face-to-face treatments. But usually the treatment for clients is quite standardized. So maybe in a face-to-face session, the therapist might change course even mid-session, whereas in online CBT, it's usually you know, quite the case that it goes through in a more systematic order. And so that has kind of pros and cons for, for both methods. Right. I should like. there's a lot of variability in what Internet CBT looks like. So Sometimes people think, oh, all these programs are the same. But, in fact, they vary in terms of, like, the materials that were developed, whether they use audio or visual, how the homework is integrated. Some programs have symptom measures that track symptoms over time. Some would have automated emails. Some have a lot of stories and examples. Some have a lot of flexibility in terms of the order And the content. Some are very focused on one single disorder and others try and cover more general strategies that apply to a bunch of different disorders. And then the other thing about ICBT is that it also varies in the extent to which there's support available. So some programs are completely delivered online with no support and others come with some degree of therapist support. But even like who provides that support, how they provide it, like is that through text or phone, now, uh, that varies a lot. So I'd say, you know, if you were a client and you were out looking at ICBT, there's kind of lots of variability in what you're going to see from program to program.
0: And I imagine that some of that is a result of the needs of clients changing uh, since March, since the lockdown, since the pandemic really began. Do you think that people who are providing CBT are seeing different issues that clients are bringing up than they might have, you know, say, a year ago?
1: I mean, it's an interesting question. I think sometimes it's assumed that it does look a lot different right now. So in the online therapy unit, you know, we work with last year, we worked with about 2,200 clients in a year. And we've done a comparison of the clients who came last year compared to this year. So how did they, you know, present? And in fact, what we've seen is that sort of levels of depression and anxiety in those populations are, are quite similar. And we see that although people are bringing up COVID-19, it's not necessarily that that's their primary focus. Like, it is the case that that's an additional stressor, but they have lots, lots of stressors that, that happen like happened last year and happened this year. And, you know, we see some sort of fluctuations over time. But, for example, this year and last year, you know, we would see clients who have concerns about their financial obligations. Right. You know, like that happens all the time. You, We would see that we have some clients who've lost their job or income, some who have childcare issues, some who are feeling isolated, some who, you know, feel under stress for, for different, different reasons. So the issues are kind of similar to things that would have happened in the past. And some people do, you know, bring up definitely like they're, that they're worried about COVID, but it's usually these other issues that are not that uncommon. Yeah, I um, guess you
0: could say that they're sort of universal issues that always yeah. exist, but are perhaps exacerbated by coronavirus, or maybe that they're um, just more more people are experiencing them, or maybe it's no different at all.
1: Yeah, I would say you know that we have seen some some fluctuations over months so definitely in april and may you know when we had more lockdown we had people who had more concerns about social isolation and those actually sort of went down a little bit over the summer months uh, same thing you know initially there was a lot of concern about you know like less pleasure in their life like that this is really interrupting. And so that was really high in April, but it came down over the summer. You know, the same thing. I would say the impact on financial obligations again, quite high to begin with, and then has come down. And you know, what's going to happen in the fall? It you know, it could go 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 back up again. So yeah, I would say in general that that the issues are still the, the same issues. Maybe they're increasing. They're more prominent now, but they're not necessarily new to to internet CBT. It's not like they're brand new issues that we've never addressed before.
0: Right. And maybe uh, some of that downturn and then in the reporting of these symptoms had to do with the fact that a lot of the lockdowns were eased in the summer. And uh, it does kind of look like we're going to go back into where we were in March and April coming up in the fall, so maybe they come back and maybe people have learned to get by over the course of the summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think I think you're right. Now I would also say that, you know, the clients that that especially like I'm used to dealing with uh with the online therapy unit at the University of Regina, what we're seeing with With those clients might be different than, you know, what people see in face-to-face treatment or in the general population. So in this, you know, in this particular client group, you know, we were always seeing certain issues and, and so they're still there. Like it's not like it's brand new issues.
0: How would you say that those clients are receiving the internet delivered CBT versus the in-person CBT, is it, do they respond well to it? Do they think it's a good thing or do you get that kind of feedback from them?
1: Yeah. Yeah, actually. So we've, we've been doing research on internet delivered CBT for 10 years. And over, you know, that uh, 10 years, we've seen a really good response to ICBT. I would say though that we've spent a lot of time, you know, doing research and getting feedback from clients and trying to improve what we do. You know, what What our experiences might be could be very different from somebody else who's deliver, who's providing ICBT. But in general, what we're finding is, you know, we have very good completion rates. So around 80% of clients would complete all the lessons and materials that they're presented with. And at the end of treatment of those clients who complete, 95% would say that was worth their time and that that made a big difference in terms of improving their symptoms of You know, for and it depends on what the client's concerns are, but say symptoms of depression, anxiety, social anxiety, panic, PTSD. And we also know from our research that those outcomes are maintained for up to a year. You know, we're definitely getting good feedback. In terms of looking at, will our outcomes look any different now that COVID-19 is here? Like, will we have lower completion rates, lower satisfaction, or lower improvements? It's, you know, something that we, we uh, are collecting data on and, and we'll explore over time. But we don't think so. We're actually getting verbally from clients. Uh, it seems like they're very similar outcomes to what we've re- always achieved. And clients are, are very appreciative of the, of the service and, you know, saying that they've – some clients actually tell us that they've been thinking about reaching out and having an ICPT but didn't necessarily have the time And now maybe because they have a little bit less going on, like less travel, you know, that they actually have the time to work on this and they're expressing a lot of appreciation for, for, for being able to access that service.
0: Yeah. Um, And
1: uh, I mean, if you guys
0: have been, you guys have been working on this for 10 years, you've been studying it for 10 years and adjusting as you go based on that research. Would you say that more than almost anyone else, you were prepared for this huge shift to online
1: yeah, 100%. Like, we didn't miss a day of offering um, services to clients. We did, you know, put up a notice saying, like, oh, you know, because of COVID-19, you know, there could potentially be a delay, but we never experienced any delays. And, you know, we were there and um, able to uh, offer services when, when other services were shutting down. It, it was an easy transition for us. We, we did make a few changes. In response to COVID nineteen, so one of the things that we did was we added some more screening questions up front to to basically understand what's going on for clients and to what extent were they wanting problems uh, or treatment for for COVID nineteen like fear specifically versus general kind of stress. And really, what we found is that they're they're seeking services more generally for mental health concerns rather than specific fear related to COVID. So, I mean, some clients do have that, but that seems to be a smaller proportion of, of who's coming to us anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how much would you say that the the CBT industry has shifted from being in person to online over these last seven months? Has it been, you know, virtually everybody or are a lot of people trying to go back to the in person now?
1: I think that, I mean, that's a really interesting question and, and I hope um, that, that we'll be able to kind of get that answer sometime, but, you know, somebody will kind of uh, be able to summarize that just based on sort of following uh, my colleagues and and what people are doing is, I'd say initially where we saw the change was that people, instead of going for face-to-face treatment, were doing telephone sessions and video sessions. So basically trying to do the same thing that you would do face-to-face, but uh, through telephone and video and ICBT is a little bit different than that in the sense that what you're trying to do is you, you're giving the materials online and not, not everything is through verbal exchange between a therapist and patient. Right. And, but I do know that uh, there are certain provinces where they you know, made announcements that they were offering ICBT, like in, I think in Ontario made that announcement and Manitoba that um, they were giving citizens of those provinces access to ICBT programs. So I'll, I'll be curious to see. I'll be curious to see sort of how how much that was used. And we in the online therapy unit, we have seen this year so far. We've had a fifty percent increase in clients than we did the previous year. But I would also have to say that each year we always have a big growth. So I'm not sure that the growth is that much more than. We every year we see growth, right? Right. Um, and yeah, so but what happened? What's happened in other provinces? I I'm not fully sure. Like say Ontario, the extent to which you know that you know people are using that service now that it's available instead of going for face to face or doing say video conferencing or telephone therapy. I also do know that you know initially a lot of face to face therapy stopped completely and it moved to digital service but over time face-to-face treatment is offered again but with some precautions so for instance I actually have some face-to-face clients and I am seeing them face-to-face but we're wearing masks
0: right and, and from a good distance away and the whole thing yeah right? yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah. Do you have to do it from behind plexiglass?
1: Uh, in my, in my case, no. So the clinic that they come to, the clients would have their temperature checked. They would do a symptom checklist, and then we sit in a room, you know, where we have distance and we're wearing masks, and there's hand sanitizer. And
0: you've been listening to Mindful, the podcast of the CPA. Thank you to Dr. Heather haggis for taking the time to speak with me today about cognitive behavioral therapy, internet delivered and otherwise. If you have a question for Heather or for any other guest on Mindful, send it to media at cpa.ca, and we will try to have it answered during the COVID and the Canadian winter webinar coming up December 10th. My name is Eric Bowman. I am the producer, writer, editor, and host of Mindful. Our theme music is Avenues by David Taylor. That does it for today's episode. Join us for the next one, the last in this first season of Mindful, as we complete our journey across Canada to speak with Dr. Christine Correll in BC about depression and anxiety heading into the Canadian winter.